Hey guys, a little overdue, but thanks for coming and joining us for episode eight of the Judico Boys podcast. I was really happy to uh, be able to sit down with uh, Nelson Armstrong. Uh, Nelson uh, is a former Peterborough Pete, another uh, local Peterborough product as well, um, who's had uh, a variety of different experiences playing the game of hockey. Um, spent a little bit of time uh, in the, the NCAA at a Division One school. Uh, ended up playing, coming home and playing for Peterborough for a few seasons as well and uh, made his way into professional hockey. Uh, we talk about all of uh, his experiences, kind of some ups and downs and and uh, his development, uh, not only with hockey, but also as a person uh, in general. So I really thank uh, Nelly for coming on. We had a great time and uh, I hope you guys enjoy. Thank you. Hey, thanks for joining me, buddy. No problem. Happy to be here. Yeah, I'm happy to have you on, man. It's been a little bit of a uh task trying to find a time for both of us to get on here but uh, <laughs> i'm finally uh, glad we got one that works yeah for sure um so i think the last time i uh, i saw you i think i might have been rounding uh, third base after i hit a bomb and you guys against you guys in slow pitch <laughs> yeah you probably got thrown out at home though eh? i don't know I, i'm not sure <laughs> if you were getting that ball out, in the, out uh, in the trees out there you know what i mean yeah, that, was, that was a while ago that was uh pre-pandemic that was pre-pandemic, man. I miss those, actually. Yeah. I miss uh, slow pitch and stuff like that. But Yeah, it's fun. For sure. Uh, so, Nelly, yeah, the reason you're on here, Ben, is uh, we're here to talk about, uh, you know, like your hockey career, you know, right from right from the uh, get-go kind of thing. So, um, thanks again for coming on. And uh, I guess we'll just kind of jump right into it and go from there. So, um, you know, when when did you first kind of pick up a stick? And when was the first time you were out skating around? And, and when how, how did you start? Yeah, yeah. So my um, my parents uh, turned a cottage into a house on Rice Lake. So I guess my first uh, couple of strides were on on the frozen lake, and then um, uh, my hometown arena at that time. Uh, we were driving into Butley, and I, I know I did figure skating for a year, and then after that, kind of got into hockey. Oh yeah, uh, you didn't tell me that. <laughs> yeah, no, no. So uh, <laughs> no, it, it is great for every hockey player. And I mean, like if you look at a guy like Jeff Jeff Skinner did figure skating until he was like twelve or thirteen. I think it just helps you a lot, but. Yeah, no uh, doubt. Yeah, after that, I kind of kind of found out that I had a knack for the game, and I ended up playing AAA for the Central Ontario Wolves. It was just kind of how the boundaries were at that time, that I had to go play for them, even though we had to drive right past Peterborough to get there. Um, played played from minor novice in Lindsay, or, or Central Ontario Wolves, kind of played all, all out over the, the area there, uh, from like Woodville, Little Britain, all, all those tiny barns, Finland Falls, mm-hmm. some, uh, some cold arenas. Um, no and, doubt. Uh, my family ended up moving into uh, the city of Peterborough. Uh, I, I was about 13 years old at the time, just uh, coming into high school, started at Crestwood uh, High School, and, and that's when I started playing minor hockey for the, the minor system in Peterborough. And uh, I was like, pretty awesome team with a lot of good athletes uh, a couple of notable players now um cody cc was on that team we, we had a couple other pretty good athletes uh, a couple of division one lacrosse players that went down to the stage so i know kyle trolley did that and turner Evans did that as well uh, played with tyler stoney went down on, on a golf scholarship um, hell of a drummer i heard too <laughs> oh yeah he likes to bang on those things and i'm living with him now and uh the walls are always shaking in this house um but but yeah from from peterborough had a couple of good years playing for the yeah, that's it that's incredible that you had that many uh like talented guys on that team right like i can imagine uh did you guys have a dominant team in that league then when you played with them uh yeah we did we, we had a really good team um my first year with it we were in first place the whole year a couple of really good players uh paxton larue actually played on that team a big physical presence played a few years of professional hockey as well so we were a pretty well-rounded uh well-rounded squad um 
from there, I was drafted uh, in the tenth round to the the Sarnia Sting. Um, kind of still coming to my own, I think. Uh, going through some growing pains as a young teenage boy does. Um, after yep. that, kind of was obviously a little bit discouraged. Kind of the first time I never really made a team. Uh, came back, ended up playing like kind of half the season, uh, playing minor or major midget and, and half the season splitting with the stars. But I think that year was really good for me because I was kind of getting double ice time practicing with uh, both te- teams, like sometimes twice a day, kind of uh, really built up my skill set that year, I think. Yeah. Um, and then the following season kind of was a light set with the stars, a, a 16, 17 year old kid. And uh, I ended up with about close to 40 points, I think 35 or 40 points as a, as a defenseman. And that's kind of when I got noticed by a lot of um, division one scouts uh, had a few offers to go play for some different teams the following season as a true freshman. And then also had uh, some uh, offers to, to play at some bigger schools uh, um, two seasons from then. So I would have had to play another season uh, of tier two hockey. Right. I was uh, kind of full of piss and vinegar at the time, ready to get out of my parents' house and live. By yeah, you're chom- you're chomping at the bit to, yeah. to get started. Right. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, when I would, on a couple of official visits to some different universities and obviously those things you're just having a great time you're like this isn't real life these guys can do whatever they want like yeah uh, they're showing you the glamour right like you're, yeah, not, you're not getting the nit- like the nitty-gritty <laughs> kind of details right yeah absolutely so yeah and, and just was excited to kind of get out of Peterborough and out of my parents house so I decided to take a division one scholarship to St. Lawrence University um I don't know if I was quite ready for it that time with my professional habits, but went down there and, and had a lot of fun. It was a great, great program, great university, had, had a great hockey team. Uh, ended up uh, having a, actually probably one of the best coaches I've ever had. Looking back on it now, um, Greg Carvel, he played or he coached about 10 years uh, with the Ottawa Senators prior to taking that coaching job down there. But right. at the time I was pretty, pretty immature. Um, my, my off-ice habits weren't great. Not, not like I was a, had like a, a drinking problem or anything like that. I was kind of just doing everything a normal college student would do. But if you want to be an elite athlete, the, those regular college habits just don't quite cut it. Ended up with a few injuries, kind of had some pressure from my agents and my family, starting to think about other options. And right. I ended up uh, at 18 deciding to um, come home and play for the Peterborough Peets in the OHL. Decision I, I don't regret, but but looking back on it, obviously, uh, raises some red flags. I think when, when you leave a, yeah. a Division One program and a Division One scholarship. Uh, well, I'll stop you know. right there for for one sec, Nelly. Um, yeah. Yeah, like, but I mean, to have that option, obviously, like, not in your back pocket per se, but like, um, that's you know, obviously incredible. That you, you were able to still take that opportunity, right, to play for the Peets, to pay for your hometown team. Yeah, um, absolutely. And so, uh, you know, when you went to school, though, like I'm assuming, uh, like the Sting, they they don't retain any of your rights then at that point, right? Once you signed your or um, like your like your letter of intent. So how that worked actually, they don't. But I, I think the Peterborough Peets picked up my rights while I was playing with the Liplock Stars. I just wasn't really oh, aware okay. about it. Um, and then when I was looking at coming back to the OHL, they were the team with my rights. So, so they had, uh, they actually had my, my rights already. So that's how, how that went down. Um, came home and played on uh jumped on a pretty solid squad. They were struggling at the time. Uh, had, had some great players on the team though. Um, notable player like Nick Ritchie, uh, the following year, Stephen Lawrence, two guys that have, have gone as far as the NHL. Now they're doing very well. Um, I mean, playing for your hometown in the NHL is a very special experience. Absolutely, man. 
we had did a, you uh were you were you at crestwood uh while you were going or sorry no it was after that were yeah you, this um, is well after yeah i'm sorry i don't know it was a dumb question yeah but no um so you were strictly then just playing for the pizza right you had no uh interest until you were kind of done then to start school right I, I was actually taking a, a few courses part-time at Trent University at the time. Oh, yeah, right on. Kind of, kind of the, the team kind of mandates you. They don't want you just sitting around all day. Um, so I did that um, my second year with the team. We actually had a pretty decent playoff run. We were down um, three games to none against the Kingston Frontenacs, and we ended up coming back to beat them four straight. And that was a pretty special experience to be able to do that and come from behind that many games uh, in the playoffs in OHL. And I don't think it's happened more than about four times since the history of the OHL. Yeah, man, that's wild. It'd just be so fun. Like, not not all like people get to experience like playoff hockey in a series like that anyway. But to do that is yeah. is pretty special. Yeah, for sure. And then after that season, I, to be honest with you, I was pretty lost. I was like 20 years old. Obviously, you kind of had to decide at that time whether I wanted to keep pursuing a career uh, as a professional hockey player or decide to go back to school. And, and you have to kind of decide whether you want to use your scholarship money then um, towards your education or if you go play pro, it's kind of just wiped away from you. Right. Um, so it was kind of kind of was really lost at that point. Now that I look back at it. Um, did the piece contribute like you mentioned before um, about the you know the, your, the pro habits you had that weren't obviously fully developed yeah. uh, like in your words kind of thing did the piece like play a fairly uh, instrumental role in, in like refining those though to an extent yeah absolutely I, I think the OHL is a lot more structured um, for, for your day-to-day or, or your schedule than, than it is at university as anyone knows at universities you might have a course at 8 a.m monday and then have not have another one until like five o'clock at night on wednesday and you really got to be on top of things and uh at, at school you're, you're kind of left on your own for a lot of your, your professional habits whereas in, in the whl a lot more rigid structured um which helped a lot i think uh so so kind of built up yeah well i wouldn't say so when, you, when, when you were younger then do you think then uh like you know, like the more structure would have been, would have been better for you than when you were at school kind of thing. Like you think that was maybe uh, just like an aspect that was yeah, partially uh, missing out, right? Like, yeah, I, I don't think it is not be, being for, regimented as much as you, you'd like for myself personally. Yes. For, for other individuals might not be, but, but yeah, I think at that time in my life, looking back on it, I, I definitely could have used uh, someone, someone kind of give me a little bit of guidance and watching over myself a little bit rather than making your own kind of irrational decisions at, at 17 years old, uh, living on your own at a division one, on a division one scholarship. Yeah. Um, well, it's so tough too, like you said, right? Like you're tromping at the bit to go, like you've got yeah. this great opportunity and you're, and you're all excited and you know, you're going to go down there and play hockey. Right. So, yeah. And like, and honestly going down there too, it's almost like a, it's a bit of a culture shock because you, you got to think like I, I'm going to Crestwood high school with a bunch of, buddies from Millbrook, like I got my yeah. American Eagle polo on, my Birkenstocks, I'm thinking the man walking through there. And then yeah, you your collar, to, collar <laughs> fully, fully popped. Yeah, you get down to a university like St. Lawrence and it's all East Coast prep school kids from like Martha's Vineyard, like like upstate New York. These kids are walking around their vineyard vines and their top ciders. And I'm just like, man, I, I've never even seen people like this before. So like it's a bit of a culture shock, a little bit of anxiety and stuff like that, yeah. which probably contributed to like – like going out having a few extra drinks to feel more comfortable, social stuff like that. Yeah, I know, uh, yeah, man. Like all those kids are like, it sounds like they're born silver spoon in hand kind of thing, right? Yeah, I, I wouldn't want to paint everyone with the same brush down down For there sure. like that. And like I, I made some amazing friends down there, amazing people. But but yeah, definitely a big culture shock from what I was uh, used to at Crestwood High School. But um, yeah, after I play, played a couple seasons with the with the pizza, it was it was awesome. Um, 
decided actually to, to use that scholarship money and finished my degree at the University of Prince Edward Island. There's a really good CAS uh, hockey league out there. It's called the Atlantic University Sports League. Um, played against like a, the University of New Brunswick, Dalhousie, St. Mary's, the University of Moncton, St. FX, uh, KDU University, uh, St. Thomas University was there right. when I was playing Who was the, uh, the kingpin out there like for that league? Like, uh, like... The, the University of New Brunswick has a very, very strong program out of Fredericton. Um, and then uh, like all, all the schools out there, St. FX, Dalhousie, like you, or like St. Mary's, like you, you just don't know who's going to win every night. Um, you want to play a lot of small, small arenas, some, some bigger arenas, but just a lot of really good players from the Q, uh, a lot of right. players from the OHL and even the WHL are out there. So it's definitely it's a big step up from major junior hockey. My uh, last year in, in the OHL, I had about uh, 45 points. My my first year out there, I didn't even register a goal. I had about 10 assists. Um, it was just a, a lot faster paced game than you're back to yeah, the no doubt. style of hockey. That like, probably was a bit of a shock to you probably too. You probably thought you were going to walk in there and maybe – yeah, a little not bit. light it up, but like you probably and, had a little more swag than you. Yeah, you maybe didn't have a, maybe. probably didn't have a, a great summer either going into that. Like I said, just a little bit lost. Yeah, at that point. but um, yeah, uh, and and then that's back to that college style of hockey. So two games a week where it's very structured and everyone's fully uh, energized. Whereas the OHL, there's a lot more flow to the game, a lot more creativity. Um, not to mention that fatigue comes into a little bit of a factor, uh, like. A, in the OHL, it's kind of mimics more of a professional ice hockey season with uh, more games and, and like you, you might play three games or three nights, stuff like that, that, that really uh, kind of attack your legs on that third night. Whereas in, in college, kind of back to that high paced game again, mm-hmm. um, ended up going out to the university of Prince Edward Island. Uh, you know, it was kind of a, it's kind of like a, like a, a life rope for me out there kind of, kind of really, really had good habits in terms of my academics. I, I've gone through it before at St. Lawrence at that point. So I knew uh, my time management skills were much better out there. Mm-hmm. Get all my schoolwork done during the week. I'd still have, have a night or two to go out and have fun and meet people and, and enjoy myself while I was out there, but I had a very good balance, I thought. And then uh, ended up finishing uh, uh, the top of my, uh, my class for my major, at least uh, in economics. And, and that was great. Um, after my third season out there, I had uh, some some professional offers to go play in the ECHL. And after my third season, um, I had actually ended up leaving school a little bit early and and uh, taking uh, courses online and, and and in correspondence with the courses that I was still taking. And I play, played out the seasons with uh, the Florida Everblades. I was pretty excited to move down south and, and enjoy that Florida weather after three long, grueling winters in Charlottetown. Absolutely. Um, but but yeah, that was another big step up from university hockey and uh that, that's when hey, those professional hockey's uh, or those professional habits really start to, to start to matter i think i was a little bit out of shape when i got there and it kind of it was good to to see the the level of play and uh the style of play because that summer i ended up having a big summer and um signed another contract with the florida everblades they brought me back and i was really lucky to uh, be on a, a phenomenal team that year uh, the coach down there, Brad Ralph, he's a true professional coach in terms of his um, just his routines, his expectations, stuff like that. It's like probably probably the first time I've been at well, it was the first time I've been in a professional hockey atmosphere, and that's that's the year where I learned how to be a professional from coaches that the, right. the team they had down there, and just my teammates. There's like p- playing with guys with a ton of uh, NHL, AHL experience. Um, this, the the program down there is just bar none. They have uh, 
excellent facilities in terms of, in terms of off ice training, on ice training. They just treated you like whereabouts uh, is is the um, the, the, the arena located? <laughs> uh, the rink's lo- located. It's called Estero. Um, it's kind of near the the Florida Gulf State Coast University uh, on the west coast of uh, Florida. Uh, it's just a little bit south of Fort Myers down there. Okay, um, I, I had a phenomenal experience down there. I actually ended up playing with. Um, two former teammates that played uh, for the Peterborough Peets, Clark Seymour, and then Stephen Lawrence was down there and we were all living together in the same apartment. So it was a, it was a great reunion and oh yeah, we had a great time. We golfed a lot, went to the beach. Uh, we, our, the apartments they put us up in were beautiful tennis courts, pool, all that, all that fun stuff. Um, the, the reality of that league is, is it's still a, still a very tough league. Uh, a lot of fighting, a lot of, a lot of games are, and it's uh it's very competitive. Um, a lot of guys in that league now are, are on NHL contracts or HL contracts, and it's mm-hmm. uh it's more of a development league now for the NHL. So yeah, absolutely, so it's, man. It's not it's not like a, not what it used to be, right? Like it had a reputation yeah, for just being I, kind of the physical league, but and now and it still is that physical league, but they're they're starting to phase that out a little bit at least I think. And it was um just a very high level of hockey, and our team was uh ended up finishing first place that that year. Uh, I had a kind of a, a really tough year. That's where I learned how to be a pro mentally. Had a had a couple of bad injuries. Ended up with a hand surgery and a separated shoulder. Um, but kind of persevered uh, through that. Kind of learned how to be positive for my teammates. And um, uh, the team actually kept me on the roster, even though I, I was considered injured through the playoffs, just to kind of stay with the team and and be a part of that atmosphere, which I looking back, like I really appreciate they didn't really have to keep paying me a paycheck when they did. Yeah, absolutely. I wasn't going to be able to contribute for the classy rest of the them, season. Right? Yeah, very classy. They could have sent me home and I could have been watching from home, but they, they kept me around. And, and I think um, my teammates had, had a kind of a little bit of a say in that. I tried to be, always be positive in the room. And, and that's when, when I realized how, how important that, that good atmosphere is for, for any winning team and, and any sport and in life in general, just to, to stay positive and keep everyone upbeat so they can perform their best. Um, after that season, though, I had a few. I, I was fortunate enough to get a few offers from uh, teams in England that were offering uh, me to, to do a, a master's in business while I played over there. And after after those injuries in Florida, I was kind of looking at it like it might not be a bad idea to yeah to for sure man. Your schooling like things can go south really fast in that game and. and at the end of the day, your hockey career is not forever. Yeah. Uh, did you ever have to uh, like defend yourself? Uh, like, uh, did you have any uh, fights and stuff or anything like that at all when you were down in Florida? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, we, I was very lucky on, on that team. We had a lot of – well, it, it was nice. We had a couple of enforcers on that team that, that took care of most of the heavy lifting. But uh, the reality is sometimes you, you do have to defend yourself or stick up for other teammates. And, and I was playing in uh, Adirondack, New York, and I took a, a pretty good head check, and I wasn't happy with it, and ended up squaring off with the guy um, at the next faceoff, and I was uh, up against him. And, and normally, when I when I fought, I would always try to kind of protect myself, fight a little bit of technical, a little bit of technical skill. But I remember in that fight, I just kind of saw red. I was so mad, I ended up uh, yeah. breaking my hand pretty good. Um, had to have three pins put in my hands so the bones would heal properly. And Ooh, um, yeah. Yeah, how, how did how did his face end up looking? <laughs> Better than my hand. I, I wish I would have. It was kind of a tough tough point for me too, because I, I I think at that point I was like on a five game point streak. Had, had been in a fight a few nights earlier and did well, and it was kind of looking like I was looking towards getting called up to the AHL if I kept it up. So that kind of kind of derailed me. It was pretty deflating, but uh, the team was doing well and and just stuck it out. Um, for sure. T- took a great opportunity and. Uh, 
in England to, to go over and, and finish my, my master's degree. I was more looking at, at the universities and the level of the schooling. Um, when I was making that decision to pick a team, um, I ended up picking a, a university, the University of Buckingham, that was associated with uh, this team, the Milton Keynes Lightning. The team was kind of the bottom of the tables. They weren't doing great, but at that point, I, I was kind of just uh, there for the schooling. It was a pretty pretty wild year. Uh, my, my time management. And this is the uh, the EIHL, it's called? Yeah, the, the Elite British Ice Hockey League. Um, it's also uh, has a reputation to be, a, be quite a tough league, kind of phasing it out somewhat, I guess, like, like the rest of the hockey hockey world's doing but at the same same time those those enforcers are so infe- so effective and like you can see um they're, they're kind of needed especially after seeing what tom wilson did against new york there if there's no answer then then those guys can oh yeah yeah man reach, exactly reach i'm surprised what would you think of that just kind of what you mentioned that do you think he should have gotten a game for a uh, game or two for that yeah um it, it's tough um i i think it's over the line uh don't don't think he should be should do it, but at the same time, there's no one on, for on New York's team to stand up and do anything about it, really. So I think that behavior is going to continue to happen until they have an answer, or or, yeah. or until the league just steps in and and throws out like a 50 game suspension for for something like that to really deter it. I think it either has to be one, one thing or, or the other. They either have to leave the fighting in the game, or they have to just cut it out completely, or, or that stuff's going to continue to happen. That's that's my stance on it. But right, for sure, it's kind of yeah. Just I mean, just in looking at it, like I mean, I obviously don't know, but I just I look back at his reputation, right? And yeah, I was definitely shocked he didn't get at least uh, a game or two. I, you know, I, I think that was pretty well the feeling amongst a lot of my friends and stuff like that, kind yeah. of thinking the same thing, but. Yeah, absolutely, and I was shocked too. And at first, when I saw he didn't get any suspension, but then, like, I'm trying to like see both sides of it. Uh, yeah, look at it objectively, and it's just like if you if you think about a guy consenting to fight another guy, and they get in a fight, and one guy gets knocked out. Okay, is that a suspension? Probably not. So no, yeah, when Pasternak comes at him and he's defending himself, even though he's a little much bigger, uh, and it's or uh, uh, Panarin, but, right? Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Panarin, sorry. Um, okay the bread man um but yeah but yeah, yeah like that stuff just like it's a very controversial topic and i think it's going to continue to be until until there's some clear guidelines whether they're, they're going to leave the fighting in the game or, or they're just going to cut it out completely right yeah do you remember um you know just kind of looking back i know we've talked up into your ea or sorry eihl uh, stuff so far um yeah. like who were some of the more notable guys that that did fight like just you know kind of were on that subject like that you played with um up until that point yeah, it, well, in the OHL, uh, Derek Mathers was uh, he's a tough customer. Like, I mean, I think he had like forty-five f- fights in the OHL one season. Just Jeez. a hu- huge man, two hundred sixty, two hundred eighty pounds, and and could throw them with the best of them. And then, uh, I, I think, well, I don't, I don't want to say he taught Nick Ritchie how to fight, but but I think Nick Ritchie took some tips from him, like after practice and stuff. And, and uh, but, but like he he could also really really fight. I For mean, sure. when I played with him. He had. 40 goals in the OHL, and then he, he beat the shit out of every heavyweight in the league. So it was like, what? It's it amazing. Pretty, eh? fun, pretty fun to watch that guy that season. Uh, I know. So how, I, how did, uh, did, did uh, Mathers just, uh, was it just come natural to him, do you think, more so? Or, or do you think he was just so big, he just manhandled guys? Yeah, I mean. Kind of a combination of both? Yeah, I think combination of both. I mean, when you fight it, when you, when you do something as much as he does, I think you just get good at it. And then, yeah. then he just has that natural knack and grittiness for it. But but I can say playing with guys in that like that in your lineup it just makes everyone feel that much better that much more confident out on the ice and, and nothing's bad 
is going to happen. And uh, likewise, like when, when I was playing in England and we didn't have one of those guys, it's a pretty scary feeling some nights. Yeah. Uh, you're on the hook yourself, right? Yeah. If you know you're the guy that has to answer the bell against some, some pretty tough, scary customers, but, but yeah. For sure, man. So what was the team? Uh, you said they were kind of in the bottom tier of the league, but um, it was just the one year you played then when you were finishing your, uh, your master's? Uh, yeah, just the one year there. So it was, it was really tough. I was in a full NBA course load while I was playing a, a 60-game professional hockey season. Uh, we had some very good players on our team. Uh, we, had, uh, we had some kind of green green ownership, I guess, and kind of we, we had a not-so-good coach that ended up getting fired, and the team was struggling for money. So that year we actually had, we had a player that played almost 250 games with the Penguins, Tim Wallace, and he turned into our player coach. That's unreal. Professional hockey games, and then Jackie Moon special. Yeah, yeah, it was wild. And then naturally, you're playing on a, a a team lower in the, the standards like that. Your better players are looking to bounce to better teams, and right, kind of, kind of just stuck there. Like I, I know I'm there for the season just to finish out my schooling and try to make the most of it. But for but sure, yeah, play, played a ton of hockey. Still, I mean, I, I think we did did pretty well. We didn't finish last place, but which was pretty impressive. I remember some nights we're playing like three defensemen and two lines of forwards pl- playing like somewhere in like Dundee, Scotland or something like that after a 12 hour bus trip, get off the bus. And all that. <laughs> so it was, uh, it was pretty grueling, but, but it was very, was, cool so, was it mainly it was, like mainly like import guys. And like there was, was there many guys at all that were like from, you know, like, uh, like the UK? Yeah. There's actually some pretty solid UK players. They're, they're kind yeah. of growing the hockey over there. So um, I think there were 12, 12 or 14 imports in that league. And then, um, Named at least six, six or eight uh, British or UK-born players. Right. Um, so you had some guys to uh, show you around the nightlife then when you're when you're out, out and about. Yeah. Oh, oh yeah. Yeah. It was a, it was pretty pretty fun. We were about a twenty minute high speed train to like Piccadilly Circus downtown London. I made a few trips down there, but but to be honest, that year I wasn't wasn't into the extracurricular activities too too uh, frequently. I was more buried in the books. Uh, yeah. I remember my typical day would be kind of show up to the rink at nine o'clock till 12. Like most professional hockey players do. You usually do some video or workout on ice um, kind of physio off ice and then, then grab some lunch and enjoy your afternoon, except instead of enjoying my afternoon, I would go to like a lecture from one to four or from five to nine and come home and do my homework through the week and do that five days a week. And then, travel somewhere play two games in the weekend and then do it all yeah year. that year must have flown by then man oh yeah yeah it was like <laughs> it was tough at the time like really tough mm-hmm. especially when like we get like you get two one week breaks i did end up get, getting uh, over to amsterdam to, to travel around that city there but like half the team would go to like barcelona for a week and i'd be sitting there in class i'd be like oh this is this is torture but yeah for sure man after you finish that then i was like wow like i'm happy i did this spent my time wisely rather than just uh yeah kind of looking back on it and seeing you like how far you've come like from, from you mentioned like that you know that that time you spent in saint lawrence uh uh you know just to talk, like how you've grown as a person right like you said like your habits are, are just that much better right like yeah for sure it's like what an accomplishment right yeah yeah it's like well well I think I, I was kind of thinking about my mindset, what I was like going playing hockey when I was 17, 18, uh, before I came onto this podcast. And I think at that time, I'm like, well, I'll, I'll just work harder than everyone. I'll get better at the game than everyone. And, and that'll carry me through. But the reality is once you get to these professional levels, everyone's just as good as, that you, as you and everyone works just as hard as you. So you, you ha- you're battling on consistency. And mm-hmm. I, I think the only way to be consistent is to put those good habits in place. And so they just come habitual and routine. Sure. And, and then 
like putting yourself yeah. in the best possible environment to succeed. Yeah, right? so, so yeah. like you might not succeed every night, but but over the course of the season, you're going to succeed a little bit more than the next guy, and then that's going to get you the next contract worth worth more money and and so on and so forth. Um, so yeah, so I had a had a long uh, good experience there in England. Um, after I finished there, uh, I had to write a dissertation. They they call it over there in the UK. It's basically the same thing as a thesis paper here. Uh, so right. I had an, a, another year to do that. Um, I ended up taking a, a contract in, in a league called the Ersta Liga. Out of, uh, they played in Hungary, Austria, and Romania. And it was kind of just a good opportunity. It was the most money I've, I've ever made at that point playing hockey. And uh, to, to kind of travel, experience a culture like that. And at the same time, I was still still pretty regimented in, in finishing that, that thesis or, or dissertation. Um, so I wrote that from Brasov, Romania last year. That's where the where I was playing last, well, I, I guess not last year, now two seasons ago. It, feel, it feels like I just stopped playing uh, yesterday. But yeah, uh, but yeah had, a, had another great experience over there. Um, met some uh, great people, kind of get emerged into a really cool culture. Um, uh, traveled to Budapest a lot, um, throughout different towns of Romania. We are, I, know, I know that that year we were playing in the Continental Cup in Kiev, Ukraine. Uh, played a couple teams in Slovakia, even so. It's just really, really neat to see that to see Europe, yeah, kind of get out and travel. To Absolutely, man. Yeah, not many people like would that. have that opportunity at all to obviously do that. But it's uh, like looking back on it, I'm sure you're very thankful you were able to go to different countries and and uh, you know take it in while you were there, right? Especially not having to worry so much. Um, I mean, obviously you still were focusing on school to an extent, but was it was it a lighter load uh, that year though? Yeah, it was almost a little bit more stressful with a with writing a dissertation because you're 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 you, you have to treat it like a a normal course, but at the same time, like, like you're on your own, you're it's your own, like your own schedule right. and time. You're your so, own supervisor, right? At that point, yeah. So so I remember like kind of cramming in November and stuff, and just like going to a Starbucks and just sitting down for for like five days straight just crushing coffee and, and typing away. But uh, but yeah, again, once that finished, I was. I was thrilled that I, that I was able to finish that and end up uh, with that diploma. Um, Absolutely. Is there so, any no, any notable guys that were uh, in that league with you or on that, on that team specifically? On that team? Uh, yeah, like, uh, no, I don't know if there would be anyone like like superstar, but like we had guys that played like uh, close to like 400 games in the AHL. Wasey Rabbit uh, was in Boston system for a long time. And another guy, Logan Stevenson, he was in uh, Philadelphia system, played a lot of games in the AHL. Um, some guys I, I played against over there, uh, a lot, a lot of good European players. There's, there's guys from all, all over, over there, Sweden, Finland. Um, so, so not too many household names really, For sure. but then, uh, so how, how did that league differ then from say, um, like your time in Florida, like the, the play style and stuff like that? Like how was, yeah. uh, how, how could you compare those two? Well, well, in Florida and the ECHL, you're playing an NHL size arena. So over there, the, the arenas are typically much larger, mm-hmm. um, so there's a lot more skating over there. Um, the style, the style, uh, North American style, is kind of uh, a guy will come and hit you, and then you're, you're looking to like make little chips and, and kind of move the puck around the ice like that. Whereas, whereas in Europe, you're you're looking for like those long stretch passes, guys really winding up and, and really trying to spread out the ice. Whereas in um, North America, you're you're kind of like they'll dump the puck in. Uh, I'm getting ready to take a hit just to bounce it off to my my defense partner, and he's taking a hit, and then kind of moving the puck so it's um it's it's a lot less physical um but but it's still just as grueling with all 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 the extra skating if that makes sense yeah absolutely man for sure like what 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 lacks in like physical like uh 
I guess like physical play, like it's, it's, it is physical in a different way. Right. Like just yeah. exhaustion. Right. Yeah, for sure. So uh, yeah. yeah, I'll let you take it from there. Like continue on, um, you know, after that year, what was the next step then? Yeah. Well, well that season got cut a little bit short with the pandemic. Um, so I came home and I, I was kind of thinking like maybe I'll play another year or two and then start sort of looking for jobs outside of hockey. Um, when the pandemic hit, then it was like, um, you're going to play these teams in all these nice cities, but you're going straight from like last year, they would go straight from the, the dressing room right to your hotel room. And, and like, that's kind of what, what kind of pulled me away from it. Like uh, mm-hmm. tra- traveling for any job's not fun, let alone if like, even in the NHL, the guys complain about it, but like they're on private jets and like that they have, to, yeah, like, they're making uh, yeah but, millions, but, like, right? For sure. But like traveling and not, like for everyone else, like you're on a Greyhound or, or like a commercial, commercial flight so like i never really loved the travel aspect but like to go to to see all these cool cities and different spots like um on your days off there it made it worthwhile so yeah when that got kind of got taken away uh there, there's like gonna be a slight slight pay decrease just because teams weren't gonna be making um the same revenue off uh the seat seat sales or the ticket sales uh so at that point i, I was just like well i've finished this mba maybe it's a good year to to take an entry level job and, and kind of gain some work experience and build up my, uh, my professional career outside of hockey. Uh, there comes to be a bit of an opportunity cost if, if you're going to invest time into a career that's inevitably going to end in about 10 years from, from now for me. Um, so I kind of took that into consideration. Um, mm-hmm. when I, when I left uh, St. Lawrence university, it kind of, I don't want to say it ruined my chances at the NHL, but it, it created those red flags. Like, like I told you earlier. Um, yeah. so, so the money wasn't going to be as, as high as like it, on average what, what it should might have been or could have been. So right. um, so Nelly, when you say that, did uh, did anyone ever have a discussion with you like a like a prospective um, like team or anything like that and saying like oh like, did they ever actually question oh like I see you left uh, the school back in this time like did they ever kind of question that or did they did they point that out to you? Yeah, absolutely. Um, it, it always came up as a question. I, I mean, my. Uh, another thing I didn't really talk about is um, after my after I played at that season with uh, Florida, uh, I came home and had a big summer, and I actually ended up starting the season in San Diego for the Sta- San Diego Golf, uh, taking a tryout there, and it came up um, in conversation with uh, Dallas Deacons uh, a- a- in a one-on-one meeting, and uh, at that time I didn't really know how to answer it. Uh, kind of got nervous, tried to dance around the question a little bit, but but. Yeah. Uh, but but yeah the, and that's kind of when i clued in i was like oh yeah like uh, well i'd start looking at other players i've played against and how they pre- progressed in their their careers and and uh kind of comparing yourself to them seeing, seeing what you could do where you could go and then like i would look at guys be like oh uh, against the red flags and you, you can kind of see see uh the, the past of different players uh like on, on elite prospects and stuff like that and i, I kind of clued in and i'm like yeah like this would raise a lot of questions um yeah. But anyways, uh, I, I don't think there were or had any validation, any of the, the red flags that were raised from leaving, but, but it's just, it, it is what it is. And, and that, yeah. that well, you're just like, you're just painting with the same brush, right? It's like yeah. someone who might've been uh, and there's some an, other an actual, an actual like virus or something in the locker room yeah. or, or something else. Right. And and then uh, at that point after Romania, there's some other things that go into it. Like, like at the end of the day, when, when you're playing professional sports, you're essentially trading your body for money and, I wasn't going to be making enough money to re- to retire off of when I was done playing, so that kind of came into consideration. All the all the bumps and bruises that you take over the career, 
mm-hmm. uh, kind of wanted to keep keep the body nice and fresh for the golf season in the summer um, yeah absolutely <laughs> so you want to keep so, your brain fresh man for, uh, yeah, for work too you just got your MBA, yeah exactly right? like, that, that's another big concern too with um all the research coming out on head injuries and stuff like that i was pretty fortunate through my career not to take any major uh, concussions right. but but obviously they do add up you are taking those physical hits every night and, and yeah i just felt like it was a, a good time to to change paths and and i decided to uh, move home and, and kind of start up my career in business absolutely man yeah, yeah no dude like you've had uh like a pretty wild ride like you know a lot of guys have not like obviously experienced uh what you've gone through right in the different the different roles like uh just a different way from like ncaa to the ohl and then uh going on from there man but um yeah, you know, yeah, no. Like, I don't regret anything. I think it's uh, I've had some great experiences in hockey and, and kind of got got the full, uh, well, a full experience of the OHL, the NCAA, what they have to offer, um, and, and then continuing on to to pre- professional hockey. For sure, I want to talk a little more about uh, your time uh, with Peterborough in the OHL, though, too. So back For then, sure. uh, like when you when you when you came home, like um, I know we talked about how like it definitely definitely improved your habits and stuff like that, but like uh, like your attitude and stuff like that. Did you? Uh, it, it, it must have been cocky for you a little bit, right? Like you're out, you're playing for your hometown team. You know what I mean? Like you're in, you're in the OHL and stuff like that. And like, you know how like those guys are kind of perceived by everybody else. Right. So like, yeah. um, it, it obviously did it inflate your ego at all. Do you think or anything like that? I, I don't think so, so much. I, I think like hockey players get brushed with that a little bit, but it's just like anything else, there are guys like that, but, but mo- for the most part, guys are pretty humble at that point too. coming home from St. Lawrence university. I kind of looked at that as a bit of a failure. Um, so if anything, that was humbling of, in itself then, right? Yeah, it was a little bit humbling in itself. I know when I got to the room, I was one of the quieter guys in the room, but that didn't obviously last too long. But but yeah, at that point, I mean, a, a little bit, obviously. It's kind of nice, like everyone knows you and you're in your hometown and all that stuff. And For sure, man. Absolutely. But but yeah, it kind of lit a fire under me at that too, leaving St. Lawrence. So it's kind of like, wow, I really got to step up here. This is a... <laughs> Like the, I can't just leave the Peterborough Pete's and it, then it's like, well, I'm really a virus if I, if I leave two teams. So it kind of, kind of, yeah. kind of you get to uh, buckle down and, uh, and hit it hard. Right. Like, yeah, it kept me between the lines a little bit for sure. So um, like, let's talk a little more about uh, like what's, like you, you said you had a funny story about Nick Ritchie. I remember we were talking earlier before the podcast, um, you know, like you have any notable Nick Ritchie stories or like uh, any stories that people, other guys might recognize. Yeah, it's a, that guy's a character. Um, it's hard to think of just one. He's a great, great guy, very positive, is always looking for a laugh. Um, one time we were in, uh, we were playing the, the Windsor Spitfires, and there's this uh, stupid thing hockey, like hockey teams do in general, just uh, it's called a shoe check, basically. You'll be sit, sitting down at a nice restaurant, and one guy will like, sneak under the table and take like some sour cream and smother another guy's shoe on it, and then everyone kind of hits their glass as if they're making a toast <laughs> and someone looks down and they see their shoe covered in shit. But um, <laughs> we, we, I think we just lost the, the Spitfires. <laughs> and Nick Ritchie crawls into the table and does this in a hotel to one of our assistant coaches <laughs> after a loss, which is very ballsy. Oh, man, that is unreal. <laughs> this guy just... Just loses it, and then like for I sure. really keep a that's big. Piece. That's that's big time right there, eh? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was pre- pretty pretty ballsy on his part for sure. But for sure, man. Like, yeah, he he's a great guy, great character. Him and his him and his brother, both great people, come from a great family. Um, Nick, you got Nick, the he actually uh, you said he boarded uh, beside your parents' house, right? Or um, yeah, build um, build it. Excuse me. Yeah, he built it next door with the, the 
the Crowleys. Uh, they used to own uh, that that Ricky's restaurant. Oh yeah, no, I'm familiar with uh, with Noah. I remember Noah and his family. Yeah, yeah. Noah, Dave, and Cindy. Um, nice enough to uh, to build it. Two Peterborough, Peach Clark, Seymour, and Nick Ritchie who lived right beside me. Derek Mathers lived there one, one year as well. So uh, there's a lot of they were either sitting in my parents' basement or I was sitting over there in their basement. We had a lot of a lot of good times. Um, Absolutely. But, yeah, we got really close uh, just from, from living so close to with each other. So how many seasons did you play with him then? Uh, two with Nick. Two with um, Nick, right. Yeah, yeah. And then uh, Steve Lorenz, he was on that team. I played one with uh, Steve Lorenz and, and Peter Rowe, then one in Florida, and he's kind of had a cool story. He, uh, he made the, the trek from the ECHL to the AHL, and now he, he's actually up in the NHL with the Carolina Hurricanes, which is really, really awesome to see a guy move through all three leagues like that. Yeah, absolutely. Is he um, like so? You played with him, and was he a fairly dominant player? Then when you, he played in Peterborough, then yeah. So when I played with Stephen Peterborough, he's he's a sixteen year old kid, but tall kid, uh, really skinny. But you could always just tell he had that that professional skill set, like extremely skilled player. And then I left and played um, three years for the University of Prince Edward Island, and he continued three years on with the Peterborough Peets. And just to see how how far he developed when we both got to Florida at the same time. It was pretty pretty cool to see, and then he he obviously just continued to de- develop every day in Florida. Yeah, uh, well, it's like he he'd be like coming out of a time machine, man, because he played with them when yeah. he was sixteen, and then yeah, yeah just to see him grow up, a nineteen twenty year old then coming. Yeah, you know what I mean. And and he was living with uh, Clark Seymour and I, and, and it was, I think it was good for him. We kind of, well, especially Clark Seymour, he had a quite a bit more professional uh, experience than me at that time, so it was actually nice for me to get some guidance from Clark and then uh, kind of help Stevie out for that first year in pro maybe helped his nerves a little bit but he, yeah uh, for sure he, he got a lot better and uh, went up to Charlotte the following season and ended up winning the Calder, Calder Cup with uh, Charlotte in the AHL um, which was awesome to see yeah and then, then this year just to see him get that call up and, and score a few goals was uh, pretty special Absolutely, man. Do you still keep in touch with him uh, here and there? Does he come back, or like oh, yeah, in, yeah. under yeah, normal yeah. circumstances, he come back? Obviously, yeah, yeah. He, he loves Peterborough, and yeah, definitely still keep in touch with those guys, especially. Uh, kind of grew a pretty good friendship uh, playing in the OHL and then then down in Florida together. Those guys are pretty special guys in my life. Absolutely, man. You need to bring him to the uh, the Crestwood Alumni Golf Tournament. Did you hear about that? <laughs> no, I haven't. But sign me up. <laughs> yeah, I, I saw this. Uh, I can't, one of my friend's uh, older brothers uh, shared it on Facebook, and I was like, Crestwood alumni, like, that's like a like a website. Like, I was I was like kind of shocked, you know what I mean? Yeah. And it ended up, uh, yeah, there's a big tournament there. I, I think I sent it to Stoner actually a little while ago, but uh, nice I, guess he, didn't, I guess, he, guess he didn't pick it for his team. Huh. Don't blame him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, I mean, I'll, I'll bring the handicap down a little bit on this, or bring it up a little bit on the team. Kind of yeah, yeah. You'll contribute. You'll contribute any way you can, right? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> right on, man. How is the state of your game? I know you've gotten into golf a lot more, uh, you know, the, the past. Um... Yeah, so, so it was always tough uh, to get into golf for, for me in the summers. Just, just uh, I remember a lot of summers I'd be training, skating, and, and kind of keep a, a full-time job on top of that. So that, that's kind of where all my time and money went towards. But the last summer, this, this past summer especially, I really dove into the golf. Um got a membership at a uh, quarter of golf and country and the state of the game is getting better. I'm pretty lucky. Uh, a lot of those guys there, a lot of really good golfers there, um, golfed, uh, on division one scholarships or division two scholarships, like, like Tyler did, uh, another guy, Ryan Aaron's, uh, Sam Meek, those guys, uh, that try to just pick their brains as much as I can and try to get yeah. fix my, my, my crummy swing, but, but it's a lot of fun golfing there. And, uh, 
yeah, just been having a great time. They're giving you lessons under the table. You're just giving them like beers or something. <laughs> yeah, basically, I just try to try to tell them to teach me how to golf. Or I'm going to beat them up. But... Yeah, there you go. <laughs> right on, man. So, uh, like, what you what you? How many games did you get last year then? Oh, I must have gotten like fifty plus. Holy shit, uh, that's a yeah, lot to do. That's yeah. a lot. That's great. Try, try to get out through the week at least once, and then it seems like Saturday, Sunday, just just out on a tea time uh, with, with someone. But yeah, yeah for sure. Just wherever you'll fit in. Absolutely. Loving the games. Keeps you active, keeps your mind active, and it's a lot less violent than uh, my previous uh, endeavors. Yeah, no, no doubt, man. Like, it's uh, a little easier on the old head, right? Exactly. Well, in a different way, it cannot be, though. It can be frustrating. Oh, yeah, right? yeah. It's a, it's a <laughs> mental battle. Like, I'll come come home after a good round and be on top of the world and then, then go out and shoot close to 100 and just ready to snap every club in my bag. Absolutely. <laughs> I find, like... Uh, I can't remember what it is, but I I, I can't. Remember. I think Tiger said like there's only been two players to ever own a golf swing or something like that, and like that's true. Like as you get better, I think you really just you just own it longer, if that makes sense. Like you don't ever you don't ever fully have it, you know. Yeah. Days yeah, you're out there sure. and you've got it, and then the next day you're just like, holy shit! Like what the fuck happened? Like yeah. And it could be a 24 hour difference, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's not easy. For sure, man. Um, so was there anything else you wanted to, like any other stuff you wanted to touch on? Like, um, I know that, you know, right now you're just kind of building uh, your professional resume and stuff like that, man. So I don't know if like, uh, in your future, like where, where do you kind of see yourself going? Is there anything you wanted to, uh, mention there, like where you want to go and, or where do you see yourself? I guess I don't think I'm asking him a job interview here. Where do you see yourself? <laughs> yeah. You're putting me on the spot. Uh, <laughs> no, no. I took a, a job as a management and training program at enterprise rent a car. Uh, so I'm just kind of trying to fill out what I'm good at my, my skill set, I guess, in the business world and, and kind of just uh, developing professional in that sense, trying to, trying to read a lot of books and kind of build myself up that way. Just kind of the same way I did uh, on the ice for all those years. Um, but, but yeah, I'm kind of enjoying like a sales position, uh, but, but it's just tough just trying to gain that experience and kind of see, see what's open in the job market here. Um, obviously it hasn't been, wasn't definitely no, of course, man. Yeah. to find it, find any type of work during this pandemic, but sounds like uh, hopefully after these vaccines roll out and uh, things open up, um, we'll go from there. But, but uh, yeah, I'm just, just kind of, kind of keeping my eyes and ears open and For sure, man. better every day. Absolutely. No, it sounds like you're uh, like a real, uh, like student in that sense. Right. Like I think, uh, you know, your experience has definitely shaped you in that, in that way. And, um, like I remember when I asked you to come on here, like you were, you were really excited about the opportunity to come on and, and just even, you know, learn a little or develop a little bit from this kind of experience too. Right. So I think, I think yeah, that's absolutely. great. Not a lot of people have that mindset. So I think that's really awesome. Yeah, no, I'm happy you had me on here. It's, uh, to be honest, I was a little bit, a little bit nervous at the start, but, but, uh, I think it's good to kind of tell my story and hopefully, hopefully I can kind of help someone else that listens to this or, or they just enjoy the content either or. Absolutely, man. No, I, I really appreciate you coming on, uh, Nelly. I think that's all I got for you, man. Okay, thanks. Thanks for having we'll, me. We'll uh, definitely uh, try to get over for a round of golf. Um, yeah. yeah grab, Stone, grab Stoner and uh, I don't know. I'll, I'll find a partner of a similar skill to him if I can and we'll see if we get no <laughs> yeah. match or something. It might be kind of hard to find, but... <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll just play for fun. If yeah, we're playing absolutely. with Stoner. For sure. Two V 2v1. Well, 2v1. <laughs> for sure. All right. All right. Thanks for having me, buddy. Yeah, thanks a lot, man. We'll talk to you soon. Okay. See you later. Cheers. Thanks again to Nelly for coming on and joining us here uh, for episode eight. Uh, it was a real pleasure to have him on. And uh, I really enjoyed talking to him. He's an intelligent guy. He can tell he's really learned a lot from his experiences. And um, it was just a, a pleasure to hear his story. So uh, good luck to you, Nelly. And uh, thanks for joining us. And uh, thanks for listening, guys. Appreciate it.
Have a good week.